South Africa detected its first case of a new coronavirus subvariant, namely XBB.1.5 or Kraken. It has the distinction of being the most transmissible subvariant discovered thus far. Is this a cause for concern? I'm delighted to have renowned virologist Professor Barry Shook as my guest now to explain. Professor, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much, Therese. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, Prof, so the last time we spoke was in June last year, and the first time we spoke was, I think, in March 2020. Can you just talk us through what, what has been happening with COVID? Because we haven't been talking that much about it. Okay. Well, basically what's been happening with COVID is that the virus, which is we call SARS, um, uh, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, uh, coronavirus, covid and two is the second one that's affected human beings, SARS-CoV-2. Um, that's when it first uh, hit humankind. That was the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. It was a new virus. Uh, the human species had not encountered this particular virus, um, and it's what we call a virgin soil epidemic. In other words, it hit the population which was totally susceptible to never seen a virus. And because of that, it spread very rapidly. We've seen this before when a new virus is introduced to a population, like when measles were introduced in America. So it spreads very rapidly, and that's why we had severe epidemics uh, in the beginning of 2020 um, until we ha- until we got a vaccine developed. The vaccine was very, very effective, particularly in protecting against severe disease. So now what's happened about, what, two and a half, three years later, is that this virus, this SARS-CoV-2 virus, um, has now really become not a new virus anymore. It's really, as, a, as it were, adapted to the human population. There's also high levels of immunity, and particularly in South Africa, we've got a very high level of immunity. About well over 95% of our population have seen this virus, SARS-CoV-2, or variants of it. So uh, it's not nearly as as uh, much of a public health threat as it was in the early 19, in 2020. However, the virus does mutate. It does change. It's a very changeable virus, not quite as much as influenza or HIV, but still quite a changeable virus. As it changes, it changes what we call its antigenicity, which is the protein that that we see it, our immune system see it. So it keeps on changing, and particularly. Uh, well, let me add, take one step. It changes, and it generates what you call variants. So we had the alpha, we had the beta. This country we didn't have gamma, and then we had the delta, which was quite a severe one. And now, of course, Omicron. Now, Omicron of all the variants, in fact, is, is the most changeable one. So far, there are well over six hundred, what we call subvariants of the variant. Uh, in this country, we've already identified over two hundred of these subvariants. <laughs> so these are all subtle changes. Uh, in the Omicron variant itself. <clears throat> now, this particular one, it's called XBB. You wonder where the name comes from. It is uh, what we call a recombinant. In other words, it is two of the B subvariants which have got to be together in the same cell and recombined. So it's got genetic elements of both. Therefore, it's called XBB of the two B subvariants. And then it gives various numbers as these new subvariants get identified. That's where the XBB.1.5. Now, this term Kraken in the scientific community we're talking about, it's nonsense. You shouldn't even talk about it. 
Kraken is actually a mythical sea serpent. And where it originally came from, some some humorous must have given it that we don't talk about Kraken, we talk about XBB.1.5. I so think it's easier for the common, for the kind of ordinary non-scientific people to have a name <laughs> rather than like, oh my gosh, was that ABB? Was that BCC? No, Kraken no, makes no. it easier for us ordinary folk. But that's where the XBB originally came from. Now this particular subvariant is unfortunately, it's got a particular mutation in, in one of the sites in, um, in 486. It's one of the sites in the sequence of the genome, uh, which makes this virus very sticky. It sticks, it's, it, it adheres very, very well to the receptor site in the body. And because of that, this virus, the subvariant has got a growth advantage over all the other viruses up to now, all the other SARS-CoV-2. It's the most, grows the best because of the sticky element. Uh, and it's, it's the most highly transmissible. So it spreads very rapidly. And this has spread rapidly around the world. We're not, we're not the, by any means the first countries, first identified, in fact, the United States and Northeastern Seaboard. Uh, and it probably will become the dominant subvariant or even the dominant virus, uh, in our landscape. So, but to answer your question, should we be, be concerned? I don't think there's too much to really be concerned for a number of reasons. As I mentioned before, we've got a very high level of immunity, which is protective. Uh, Omicron is not quite as severe as the previous variants. Um, and we're very unlikely to kind of get the kind of severe disease that we have, severe outbreaks that we had with the Delta last uh, previous years and beta. So it's going to be a mild. And also, of course, we're in our summer season, uh, which also helps because we're more outdoors and it doesn't spread so well outdoors and so on. Thank you, Ralph. Do, do you think, you know, COVID hasn't left us since, you know, 2020. Um, but most people in the last year certainly don't talk much about it. Is there some, in a way, psychological thing that makes people now start that it's a new year? Or is it just that we start talking about it again? Or do you think it's because this is more transmissible and more people are getting COVID again that people are talking about it? Or do you think it's like a psychological thing it's at, at some point that people just worry? What do you think is happening? Well, I think, I think there are two things that happened on, and two opposing things. Um, the, the one is that prior to, uh, this XBB uh, 1.5, uh, there was a, a certain amount of complacency. People weren't getting vaccinated to the extent that many of our vaccination sites have closed down. There's now a surplus of vaccine because people aren't getting it. Now that's a, that's a bit of a worry. I can come back to that a bit later. Uh, so that's on the one hand. Um, and then, Unfortunately, the media are looking for things, and I'm not saying it in a kind of disparaging way. Uh, and unfortunately, they've kind of anchored onto onto this particular, and they kind of like this uh, this name Kraken. It kind of uh, gives a sort of a kind of dramatic feel to to, to the thing. Uh, and and uh, I think they've kind of reignited interest in COVID. Uh, which may be itself quite a good thing because we, on the scientific and medical scientific community, we really try to encourage people to get vaccinated. There's a large gap, a worrying gap of people that are particularly in the vulnerable groups, the elderly and people with underlying medical conditions who are not fully vaccinated. You know, in the elderly group, uh, elderly shouldn't say elderly, but the older group, <laughs> the 60 pluses, um, about a third of our population in the country are not properly, are not fully vaccinated. Now they are vulnerable and even with Momicron and even with 1.5, 1. 
they certainly can get severe disease. They can land up in hospital uh, in that group. So I think it's very important that people that have not been fully vaccinated go and get the vaccine. Absolutely, Prof. Um, do you think, I mean, I remember one of the conversations we had early on that this was new and nobody really knew where it was going to go and uh, nobody could predict the future. Is is coronavirus with us forever? Is this something that is just going to be part of our daily lives? Yeah, yeah. No, it will be. It, it will be part of our, shall I say, the armamentary or, the, or our collection, our treasury, whatever you want to call it, of viruses. In fact, coronaviruses themselves are not new to humankind. There are four um, coronaviruses which do cause the common cold and uh, mild gastric infections. Um, and these four viruses, these four coronaviruses have been with us for, for millennia, as far back as you can trace. Um, and uh, the, 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 those are the, the kind of more minor coronaviruses. Uh, the severe ones, we had one in 2003, and, uh, that is, that is SARS-CoV-1. And in 2012, we had what's called MERS, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome Virus. Those were, those cause severe disease. Uh, and, so, and with some, uh, the MERS, a mortality of what, 20 to 30 percent, high, high mortality. But <laughs> fortunately, it didn't spread very much. It was very contained. And now we had SARS-CoV-2. So I think what we suspect will happen, that SARS-CoV-2 will join the more minor coronavirus will be one of the causes of respiratory infection, the common cold, the sore throat, the coughing, that kind of thing. And, pro- and, you, and probably that's with us, yeah, established with us. I mean, do you think the kind of um, precautions we were taking right at the beginning, the social distancing, the wearing of masks, the sanitizing, do you think that should continue or do you think it's no longer necessary we need to just carry on? Look, I, I, I think it's, it's really, the answer is really a common sense one. You know, it, it's, it's, if, if one has vulnerable people, it's if older people, particularly frail elderly people, people who've got chronic lung, chronic lung disease and chronic heart disease, they're vulnerable. Uh, and I think those vulnerable people should take common sense precautions, particularly if they're on an indoor, uh, poor ventilated, crowded situation. Don't be embarrassed and wear a mask. I think, you know, the mask, and wear a mask properly over the nose and mouth. I think, um, there's, there's, there is, as I said, a bit of an embarrassment now wearing a mask. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's foolish. You know, I think people that are vulnerable, uh, in those situations should wear a mask. For the general public now, I think, you know, it's for most people, it's probably not a severe disease. We've never done it for influenza. So, uh, one can be, but I think the ideal is to do things outdoor, as outdoor as possible. And, you know, with our kind of weather, it's very possible to be outdoors. Outdoors, we know that the virus, um, doesn't spread at all readily. Uh, it's those high risk situations, public transport, that kind of thing, um, where people shouldn't be embarrassed and shouldn't be shy to wear a mask, particularly if they're in vulnerable situation. Well, I love the way that you say use common sense. That's always a, a good guiding factor. But often not one that's uh, relied on too often. Um, Professor, no, no. I'm always oh, no. so grateful to you for giving me the time and for explaining um, where we're at. And thank you very much. No, sure. Thanks, Reese. Thanks for having me. And a good Shabbos to your listeners.
Thank you. That was Professor Barry Shug explaining our latest. He doesn't like the term Kraken, but for um, us common people, it's easier than XBB.1.5 telling us about a little bit more about the virus.